I want you, while you're being seated, to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. This has been such a crazy week for me. I feel like I've just got to this point that I've been waiting on all week long to share with you. And so I'm, my heart is beating fast and my, uh, my mind is racing with the things that I believe that God wants to speak to us today. Acts chapter 3 is a familiar passage of Scripture. It's very relevant, I believe, to the things that we prayed earlier this morning or just a few minutes ago. Acts chapter 3 describes a man that is lame. He's been lame since birth, and he's placed by the beautiful gate. The gate beautiful is the name of it. And, and he has an encounter with Peter and with John that changes his life forever. I want to give you a little background, though, before we read this passage of Scripture to consider as we go into the Scripture. The word Pentecost is a reference to the Holy Spirit, or God, coming into a place and drawing near to the followers of Jesus. The very first Pentecost, however, happened in the time when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of captivity. We call that time, and it's often celebrated in Jewish custom, the Passover. Fifty days after those children of Israel were led out of Egypt, there was an encounter with God that took place between Moses upon the mountain, and God came down and he gave the law for the people. And Moses took that law and shared it with the people, and that was uh, the very first Pentecost. From that time, there in the temple, there would be a celebration of Passover. And then there would later, 50 days later, be the Feast of Pentecost, in which people would bring their first crops of their field into the temple and worship God. When Jesus was on earth, he walked in this hour or during this time, and and it actually was in the time of Passover that he was crucified. And it's no mistake that 50 days after he arose from the grave, there in the upper room were 120 people waiting for the Spirit of God, waiting for the promise that had been given to them. And they were praying, and on that day, the Spirit of God visited that place and shook the house And 120 people were filled with the Spirit of God. And the Bible says that there was fire and there there were tongues and the, the wind was blowing and God's presence was so active. And those that were in that prayer meeting were so filled with His presence that they appeared as even drunk. And a crowd had gathered and began to even make accusation that these men were drunk. Peter stepped forward and said, These men are not drunk as you suppose. And he preached forth the gospel, a very simple message of the gospel. And on that day, 3,000 people were born again, saved into the kingdom of God, and church was birthed. And in that hour, the church came forth. There were four things that were brought forth in that hour. The first was this, that they adhered to the doctrines of the apostles, the teachings of the apostles. They committed themselves to fellowship and gathering together and sharing and walking as family together. They committed themselves to breaking of the bread and taking communion and remembering what Jesus had done for them. And they gave themselves to prayer. 
And the church walked in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. And God was moving mightily in their midst. It's at this time that we have two that were there at that upper room, John and Peter, who were on their way to the temple to give prayers. Although they were followers of Jesus, they were still following the Jewish custom to come in and pray in the temple at 3 o'clock. And as they're passing by, there lay a man, a beggar. Which is where we'll begin in our text this morning. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a certain man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which was called Beautiful, in order to beg for alms of those who were entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. And Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze upon him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And with a leap, he stood upright, and he began to walk, and he entered into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all of the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were taking note of him as being one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg for alms. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened on that day. I love this passage of Scripture, and I think it's extremely relevant for today and in this hour. For the God that is the one who released His Spirit upon the church in that hour is the same God that we serve and we worship in this hour. He is God Almighty. He is not asleep but he is in complete control and he is sovereign and we can trust him in every area of our hearts and every area of our lives. He is a mighty God. And Peter and John were full of the Spirit. And the first thing that I observe in this passage of Scripture that we read is that this beggar was there every day at the same place. And the focus of his life was centered on his pain, his hurt, and his disability. Can you imagine what it would be like to be a beggar? Maybe some of us in this room have had to walk through that. The majority of us, I would imagine, have never had to sit and ask for anything. To stand and to beg from people that we don't even know. And as I think about the beggar this morning, I can only imagine and think about the guilt and the shame and the, and the, the brokenness that it would take to humble yourself and to go into a place and to be known as the beggar, just asking for anything to survive. So much so that John and Peter had to tell him, hey, look at us, because he would hang his head down in shame and go through the repetition of just asking, just asking. Just asking. 
And as I read this passage of Scripture and I begin to think about the beggar, something in my heart begins to stir and I just begin to wonder how many of us in the church operate and function in the same mentality? How many of us every day Same place every day, doing the same thing, just surviving, just going through the motions. Nothing different, nothing to live for, nothing exciting, nothing pressing. We just wake up today only to go through the same experience once again of routine, shame, and guilt. This morning as I think about this beggar and I think about how this can relate to to this, the thought of being controlled by your circumstance, circumstance rather than being controlled by Christ in our circumstance comes to my mind. How many of us are controlled by our circumstances and could honestly say, the truth is I'm not being led by the Spirit or controlled by the Spirit of God. I'm being led by my circumstances. And I just want to encourage you this morning that God wants to get all in your circumstance and he wants, to be, he wants to lead you by His Spirit in the midst of everything that you face and go through. Oh, the beggar. John 10.10 10 says, Jesus is speaking here and He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus made this statement. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And some of us here have been spiritually lame for years. And we have not walked in the power of the anointing of God because we have got into a routine that has kept us trapped to just go through the motions every day, same place, same thing, every day. Peter and John made a great statement, and I love it. As the man was begging for alms, they said, Silver and gold we have not. The system of this world will not meet your needs here. I don't have something to give you from the world system. But what I do have is something that comes from a heavenly system. I've got something. I've got the Spirit of God inside of me. I've got a knowledge of knowing who God is and walking in the power of God. And it says that they said, they reached down and took his hand and said, in the name of Jesus, the Nazarene, walk! And they lifted him up. And I just think about the church in this hour How so often we rely on and look to worldly systems and we give worldly systems as solutions to things that only can be changed by a heavenly system and a heavenly touch. And I'm just stirred in my heart this morning as I I think about how they, they, they gave him everything that he needed and it changed his life forever. And I just wonder how many people are out there waiting for the church to come with something that they can share with them that will change their life forever. As I look at this man, I see that this beggar is outside of the temple. I love this church. I love this building. I love worship. I've promised people I would not sing today, but I want to. (laughs) Some said they would leave if I started singing, so I'm not going to sing, though I want to, (laughs) to worship him. 
What an honor and a privilege it is to gather with all of you as brothers and sisters and to lift up our eyes and begin to exalt the King of kings and the Lord of lords in our worship. To come in and to declare his presence and his praises amongst our people. And all of a sudden our minds begin to change and all of a sudden where we had no hope before, we're finding hope because our eyes are lifted up off of our circumstances and we're worshiping him and we're filled with him and his spirit is flowing and moving in this place. And how beautiful and how wonderful it is to to be in the presence of God amongst my brothers and sisters in this place. But I wanted to remind you of something. The beggar was outside of the temple. And all that we have in this place, all that we have the privilege of experiencing and walking with and in doing together in this place are simply deposits that go into us and we walk in the presence of God and with the Spirit of God out those doors. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? We carry God. We are carriers of the presence of God. And it changes everything. It changes everything. I received a phone call Friday. A man calls me from this church. Pastor Danny, I just want to let you know, I'm out here in the parking lot. There's a lady out here. She's got some children, and she's really hurting and in need. And I've sat down with her, and we've, we've given to her, and we've prayed over her. And we just want to know if you have any other place you'd like for us to send her. I said, brother, just go on and have church in Walmart parking lot. Last Sunday after the service, there was a lady that came to me. She had been sitting in front of Kroger's with her luggage for over a day because she's stranded here in Palestine and has no place to go. And one lady from this congregation saw her and went to her and began to minister to her and to help her and to pray for her and got her a place to stay and brought her to church on Sunday. We had the privilege to pray together and call upon the name of Jesus for salvation and hope in her life. We were able to take care of her and get her to the next point in her life where she needed to go. We are carriers of the Spirit of God. We are carriers of God's presence. And if it's just in this room, we're missing it. But I thank God that it's not just in this room. And I thank God that we have the privilege of carrying light into a dark world all around us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We have the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ that is changing lives. And we have the privilege to proclaim it and to declare it. The third thing I observe in this passage of Scripture is this. It says that this man was healed in the name of Jesus. And I just want to boldly proclaim to you that there is only one name in which we can be saved and healed and delivered, and it is the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break the chains of bondage. There is power in the name of Jesus to set a man free by calling upon this one who gave his life upon a cross that we might be clean. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he died with a purpose. And the purpose of his death on the cross was to pay for your and my sins. Jesus came and he gave his life 
as a sinless man and he took upon our sins and he paid a price so that we can gather in here and rejoice in the grace and the mercy of God because of what Jesus did for us. It's in his name. Peter and John had witnessed Jesus do many things. I I just can't help but believe that they were with him at the pool of Bethesda when he was there and, and there was a lame man that couldn't walk and they saw Jesus tell this lame man, get up, pick up your mat, get up and go home. I can't help but believe that Peter and John may have even been with Jesus when he was in the house sharing and teaching and loving people and crowds were gathered there in the house and friends brought their lame friend who could not walk to try to get him into the presence of Jesus. But because they couldn't get him there, they got on top of the roof and began to tear the roof off so that they could lower the lame man so he could stand or be there in the presence of Jesus only for Jesus to say, stand up. Rise, pick up your mat, go home. I can't help but think that John and Peter had these thoughts and these experiences just in their minds and in their hearts. And they were with Jesus when he spoke in John chapter 14 where he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he shall do also and greater works than these shall he do. I just can't help but believe these men filled with the Holy Spirit, having seen Jesus do these things, when they looked and they saw the lame man, said, I have no gold nor silver, but what I do have is the Spirit of God living inside of me and reaching down and pulling this man up. In the name of Jesus, the Nazarene, be healed. Woo, I love it. I love it i got news for you. Jesus still heals. I've got news for you today. His spirit still flows. And he still moves. And he still speaks. And he's high and lifted up today as much as he ever was. He reigns. He reigns. I love it. Can you imagine that man? Think about it. This man had never walked before in his life. And he was lifted up and all of a sudden his ankles loosen and his feet drop and he's standing up. Can you imagine the joy and the excitement of just simply... Can you imagine the joy and excitement of just simply... Him getting excited, the fact that he can stand upright, he's seen at a higher level. (laughs) Y'all don't get that. It's a short man thing. I'm telling you, when I get on a ladder, things look so different to this man. He saw things from a different vantage point. And he rejoices, they say. He jumped. He leapt. He began to praise God. I don't know what they were doing. They were going to the temple. I don't know if they were embarrassed, but he's just hopping and jumping and praising God, going in. And it's amazing. It's amazing because it says that all of the people there knew him as the lame man by the gate, beautiful. And they were amazed and in great wonder. I share this message with you this morning because we live in a world that is very dark. And there are people and groups and families that need to be amazed with great wonder 
of what Jesus is doing on the earth in this hour. Oh, that the world would be amazed and filled with wonder because the church shined so brightly because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that has filled the church. Romans chapter 8, it says, creation was subjected for anxious, there was an anxious longing of creation waiting eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of glory of the children of God. And I just can't help but believe that there is such despair and misery and hopelessness. And the world awaits for the church to arise and to begin to proclaim what is true. Not religion, but Holy Spirit-filled move of God where they see the presence of God and it not be about the do's and the don'ts of of good church order, but it be about those that are just absolutely controlled by the love of God, as Paul says in Corinthians. They just can't help themselves. Everywhere we go, we got to pray for people. Everywhere we got to go, we got to tell people that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Everywhere they go, they speak forth and they're sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying and they're doing it. I just can't help but believe that we live in an hour of such great darkness and and heaviness that the church should shine. Could it be the church's finest hour? Could it be that the, the apostles and the disciples of Jesus dreamt of days like this, when the world seemed so chaotic and out of control? Oh, but the church that walks upon this earth filled with the Spirit of God Some of you are looking at me like you don't believe me. (laughs) I'm telling you this morning, the image that I get is this. A jeweler, when he shows beautiful diamonds, when we're going to look at the, I couldn't think of this in the first service, but the four C's, the clarity, the cut, the color, and the carrot brings out beautiful diamonds and lays them upon a a black background, a dark background there, so they can show the brilliance of the beautiful diamonds. So that the colors and the shades and the expressions of brilliance can bounce off of that diamond and capture the hearts of every woman in here and put every man... Well, never mind. Oh, that the church would shine with brilliance. Oh, that the church, in the midst of darkness, would shine so brightly that those that are in this world that are held captive would be set free. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ. Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservant. For Jesus' sake, for God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Saints, though we live in a very dark time, God is with us. And that changes everything. If you would bow your heads, I want to pray for us this morning.
and ask a praise team if they would to come. Father, this morning I pray that you would stir our hearts once again by your Spirit. And Lord, you would remind us this morning that you, God, change everything. Lord, we live in an hour where darkness seems to be rampant and people are speaking such foolishness and craziness. And yet, God, we understand this morning that, Jesus, you are the solution. You are the answer. And I pray, my God, that you would fill us afresh with your Spirit. Lord, for the brothers and sisters in this place that have find themselves spiritually stagnant, of just going through the motions. Father, today I pray that you would break every chain and help them, my God, to lift up their eyes that they might see you. Lord, I thank you this morning that you can wash us and cleanse us daily. Lord, it's, it's already been done when you died on the cross and you paid the price. But God, I thank you that salvation is a living thing that's inside of us and is, a, is alive even now. God, you're moving even now. So Lord, I pray for just a refreshing upon your body in this hour. Awaken us, remind us of the passion that we once had when we walked with you, when we gave our hearts to you, when we followed you. Lord, when we felt like we were invincible because of the Spirit of God that was inside of us. Lord, where we, where we gave over to traditions and, and routines and we became stagnant, oh God. Lord, I pray that you would break those things off of us. That once again, God, we may express with our hearts and, our, and with our mouths and declarations of greatness and goodness of our King. Lord, that there is nothing impossible for you. I pray, God, in this hour that we would declare your goodness and lives would be changed. So, Lord, pour your Spirit afresh upon your church in this hour and in this place this morning. We surrender this time to you, Lord. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to minister to the needs that are in this place. And Lord, I do pray, as was prayed earlier, that we would leave different than the way we came in. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. This morning, as I was praying for today and this service, the service, I just felt the Lord stirring in my heart several things. First of all, that there would be a, a, a call of ministry. And so we have an elder team that is in this house that are men of faith, that love God and serve God and, and believe. They're going to be here in the front this morning, ready to pray and to minister. If you're here this morning and you say, I just need somebody to agree with me in prayer, then come and let these men pray for you. Elders, if you would come, make yourselves available here. Maybe you're here this morning and you're facing something that is absolutely horrific health-wise. He's the healer. He's the healer. We want to pray for you this morning. This morning in the first service, we had several that came with doctor reports. And we prayed for them. Thank God for the doctors. But I keep having stories and testimonies of people that we've prayed for that the doctors gave one report and when they go back, the reports are different. My own father, several weeks ago, 
diagnosed, had cancer in his throat. Years ago, had it had radiation, chemo, the whole nine yards. Doctor went, looked at it and said, it looks like it's come back. It's a big growth. We're going to need to take a biopsy. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to do something. This time, we won't do chemo and radiation. We'll have to just do an all-out surgery removal. We go to the hospital the day of the surgery. The doctor comes to my family, my sisters and I, and tells us, listen, just be prepared. We're going to have to do something here that's, that's pretty tough. And, and this is, it, it, cancer looks to have been back. So, well, we had prayed. We had prayed. We prepared our hearts for whatever. We're trusting you, God. Doctor comes back after the little surgery and says, I couldn't find that cancer. And all that tissue that was dead, it's not, there was no dead tissue. So we took what we think is healthy tissue, a biopsy, so we can just make sure. And a week later, as we knew, healthy tissue is healthy tissue, and there is no cancer. I'm telling you this morning, I could tell you testimony after testimony of things that we've seen God do and know that God can do. He's God. It's His business. He just says, pray. And that's what we do. This morning here in this place, I don't know what the Lord wants to do this morning. I don't know what kind of miracles He may want to release or not release. He's God. But He tells us if we'll pray, if we'll come and and, and seek Him, that we can pray. In fact, He calls us to pray. And so we're going to do so this morning. If you're here this morning, and you need a touch from the Lord, don't leave this place the same way you came in. Come and join us as we pray and call upon the name of the Lord. And let's believe. Let's believe. Our praise and worship team is going to lead us now, and we're going to open up this time, and you just come, and we'll pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.